It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Welcome to episode 160. It's a nice even number. It is a nice even number. Of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm excited. Me too. We haven't done one of these in a while. No, we have not done one of these in a while. I can't even think of the last one that we did something like this for. Just one book. I think it was ALA Orlando. Oh, yeah, we were like, we have nothing to talk about, so this is what we're going to do. Okay. Yeah, really good point. All right, so do you want to tell everyone what we're doing? Sure. So we are talking Harry Potter. Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. Why are we doing that? So um, this week, the illustrated version of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was released, which, you know, if you haven't seen the illustrated versions, they're so fun. Um, Overdrive does not have the illustrated version. We, of course, have the regular version right in multiple languages um but we don't have the illustrated but we do have the uh library the new the hogwarts library collection yeah so these just came out uh in september and they are a collection of different books including the latest updated version of fantastic beasts and where to find them uh quidditch through the ages and a updated version of the tales of beetle the bard uh, with an introduction and illustrations by J.K. Rowling, which I think was really cool. Um, so those are all available on Overdrive. Um, but we talked about the fact, despite the uh, illustrated versions not being on Overdrive, they're a really big part of my life, actually. Um, I have the first two. I got the first one the day it came out, uh, The Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, whichever way you want to say it. Uh, and then the same thing with um, the second one, Harry Chamber Potter and the Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. Jesus. Fail. Um, yeah. But um, no, these, obviously the Harry Potter, we've talked ad nauseum how much Harry Potter means to both of us and talked about how I have a Harry Potter tattoo and all that good jazz. Um, to, to borrow something from another podcast where they ask people what books they always gift people. In the last couple of years since these books came out, these are the books that I've actually gifted the most to other people, whether they're nieces and nephews, siblings, friends, um, they're really cool. They're incredible. All the illustrations are by Jim Kay, who is doing yeoman's work to illustrate. It's incredible. So the first two, they're not short books, but they're not, you know, this is kind of the first one where it really gets a lot longer. Like, I think Prisoner of Azkaban is over 400 pages. Um, if I, maybe. Yeah. And these are some things I should have looked up ahead of time. But my point is, like... On the fly. We're just making this all up as we go along. But Jim K. illustrates, like, not every page is illustrated, but every page has illustrations on it, whether it's just, like, in the little corner. But then there's some, you'll open up a page, and one of the images I saw in this one is Buckbeak, the hippogriff. He's literally laying on 
Hagrid's bed and like it's the whole page is an illustration and it's a work of art like and it's just one of 400 pages of this book so we're going to talk about the Prisoner of Azkaban um, we won't talk about the illustrations because a um, we are recording this on the day that title came out and we both had to work today so I don't own the book yet so I don't know a lot about the illustrations but uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is especially for me a super important book so I we want to kind of go in and talk about oh, why yes. it matters to us yeah you looked like you're looking up stuff I it um the paperback edition at least is 448 pages I don't know how different that is from the original hardback but I'm gonna give myself credit for it for I uh, know I'm yeah um, so yeah, I have some things I want to touch on. I made notes for myself for this because if you're sure, a sure. listener of this podcast, you know that I'm the one who rambles all the time. Um, but to me, this is the first book of the series that really gets dark, like kind of yes. takes off the kid gloves, um, which I love because it, the first two had dark things in it. I mean, you learned that, you know, Harry's parents have died and all sorts of stuff but this is the first one there's like a whole bunch should we say spoiler alert for harry potter by probably the way? i would just like spoiler alert just in case yeah okay spoiler if you haven't read prisoner of azkaban or probably any of the harry potters because we'll yeah. probably talk about some of them but yeah so if you haven't done that yet but you've listened this far thanks for downloading the podcast but you can you can tune out till the next one yeah. i understand um but yes that all said this is the first one to me like the first two were the first one is very much a, a early young adult slash like it's basically it's kind of a children's book mm-hmm. um but this one gets really dark and i like that jk just basically is like this is the progression of my story here's what's going to happen so um i mean there's a lot of stuff that you see for the first time in this uh you spend the majority of the book with harry uh thinking he sees the grim mm-hmm. which turns out to be his godfather serious black <sighs> My most favorite character. He, okay. I love Sirius. So I actually have, I had a a question that I wanted to ask you. (laughs) So Sirius Black is, he goes through so much. He does. But we also meet, early on in this, we also meet Professor Lupin. We do. Who is the more tragic character to you? Um... Across all of the books? Sure. Because if it's across just this book, I think it's probably serious because... It is. I think if it's just across this book, it's probably serious. If it's across... Uh, that's a tough one. I know. I was very proud I'm of this almost, question. I almost want to lean towards Lupin, but I don't... Because I feel... There's... A lot that they both go through. So, like the. Fr- I mean, this book in particular, there's both a lot they go through, and of course, mm-hmm. like Lupin's. I mean, well, both of them, series in book five, and then Lupin in book seven. But um, this one, I think, you know, for Lupin, he has, um, you know, he lives in a world where he basically has this like horrible disease mm-hmm. with no cure. And he just has, he mean, there's there's no cure, but there's ways he can manage it. Right. Um, and he's had it for most of his life, and he's like an outcast. And mm-hmm. um, there's just something, I think, more tragic about that 
to me and I think because it affects him later on in the books with his relationships in a way that Sirius' stuff doesn't. Right. And not only with the relationships that he forms later on in the series, but I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about this scene, which is weird to do, but when they're on the train and he's sleeping Mm -hmm. and he wakes up and the first thing he does is basically like protect the kids from a Dementor. Right. He wakes up and sees a guy that he literally says looks just like his father and his father was one of his best friends, which Mm -hmm. was Harry Potter's dad. That, like, the emotion he had to have just gone through, again, I'm, like, projecting onto a character into a book, but, like, just going through that scene where it's, like, he wakes up and he deals with a Dementor and then sees this kid who he knows who it is and he looks just like his father. And, I, I mean, Lupin probably hasn't seen Harry Potter since he was a baby. Probably. And just, I, I don't know, like, that is so sad to me. And then, like, the... The mentors in general, like, this is the first book that they're introduced. Yes. And they are, like, the the definition of sadness. Well, like, yeah, I mean, that's, she has said that yeah. they're built around the concept of depression. Right. And it just, the, there's so much in there. And then, like, there's the, like, impending doom. They do, um, I'm already bouncing around, but that's okay. The di- um, divination classes. Oh, I love the divination classes. Trelawney is so fun in like a total spacey way. Like you all had that teacher or like substitute who reminded you of Trelawney. Yeah, 100%. But the whole time, like even though they are like spacey and they're fun, kind of like lighthearted scenes, like she's constantly telling Harry he's going to die. Yeah. It's like you're, you know, he sees... The Grim, which is the big black dog, he sees it in his tea leaves, and like she proceeds to spend the rest of the book freaking out anytime. Like literally, he talks about how he starts getting good grades in the class because he just tells her that he's seeing in his own dreams like his impending deaths. I know. And it just like the there's so much darkness in this book. Some of it gets resolved at the end. Like we see Buckbeak, the hippogriff, get put to death. Man, that whole ugh, we're totally bouncing around, but apologies. Um, the 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 whole like every time I both read that scene, and I think the movie does it too, but the whole time travel element of that just blows my mind because you read it one way and you think you know what's happening, but then if you actually like after the time travel, like the the time turner, they fix it, and then you go back and read it. It's clear, like, it, yeah. <laughs> I can't even describe I know, not, it. I didn't mean to leave it at the like hanging out the dry there. No, you're no, absolutely no, no. right. I it's, know, but it's just I. It blows my mind because the first time that you're like, oh no, this totally happened. But then you actually, if you actually like, go back and read it again, line by line, knowing, depending on how you personally believe in time travel works. Um, I think it can be read that he actually doesn't die because they were already there and they had like already fixed mm-hmm. it. But it's just uh, oh, every yeah. time. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, like there's the thing that I'm always really impressed by about like trying to figure out the time travel aspect of this book is I think J.K. kind of like addresses the elephant in the room with that all time time travel being confusing when Harry talks about creating his Patronus, which I'll talk about in a minute, but 
at the end yes, of the book, that's, yeah. Harry creates this incredible Patronus, which kind of defends himself. Or of uh, I think there's like a hundred. They say like a hundred Dementors or something like. And he says he's like, I knew I could do it because I'd already done it. And then that's like the line where, where I've read it a hundred times, and I'm like, no, but. It, no, but he's right, though. He's right, but it I'm confused. No, but like, see, I totally... I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. This is how our brains work differently. <laughs> For um, me, I'm like, no, no, that makes perfect sense. But I feel like that's J.K. Rowling's way of addressing, like, yeah, it's conf- time travel is wonky, so here you go. This is my explanation for it. But like, just, like, there's so much... I, I mean, you, you go to when they're in the Shrieking Shack at the end, and you know, you finally see who Sirius Black is. Even then, it's like he's fighting with this, like, crazed mental state that he's been put Mm -hmm. in. I don't know. There's just a lot of darkness in the whole book. Um, But something else that I I think is really prevalent, not for the first time because you see it a lot in the previous two books too, but I think friendship is a massive... Thing throughout the whole book so like on one hand there's obviously Harry, Ron and Hermione but then you see all of these different versions like the, the one of the biggest things I think I've seen this meme that talks about how Fred and George are actually Harry's best friends oh yeah and they you, are no yeah I think in a lot of it, ways there are yeah they literally so something that Ron's brothers Fred and George they do is when Harry isn't allowed to go to Hogsmeade and he like wants to get there so bad. They give him the Marauders map, which ends up being just a massive piece of the whole series. And it's something where it enables them for the last, I think they're in their fifth year at this point. I think, yeah, I think so. Because yeah. I think in book seven or book five, wait, yeah, book five, I think they're in their sixth six year, I think. Because they're not in, they're not in school in the seventh book, right? My point is, anyway. yeah. Sorry, we just like both stood off in the space and tangent. My point is like they've spent the last four or five years using this map to basically like do whatever they want around the school, and like at the drop of a hat, they just give it to Harry. Like this is a mass, like the most important thing that they could possibly own at that yeah. time, and they're just like, yeah, here you go, no problem. And like, so there, there's that aspect of them like just literally doing anything for him, and then. Um, something that you see later on is when you learn about Lupin being a werewolf, you learn about him when he was in school and his three closest friends literally spending years teaching themselves how to turn into animals so that they could all turn into animals with him right. every single month. Like, There's just so much friendship that goes in and then there's also like Ron and Hermione fighting over scabbers and yeah. firebolt like the whole time you see like the two different sides of friendship in this. Yeah. So agreed. Yeah. I I don't know, that was that part the the like I said, the the animaji thing, seeing like, oh my god, they literally did extra studying and, and all this stuff to learn how to turn themselves into something so that, you know Their best friend wouldn't kill them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, you learn later that Peter Pettigrew is a, a horrible person. Yeah, well. And him being a rat is just spot on, obviously. Nice job. JK, yeah. she's not usually very subtle with that kind of stuff. But, like, James Potter and Sirius and Peter, they all 
turn themselves into animals just so he doesn't have to be alone. So, um, there's a bunch of scenes I wanted to touch on and just kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, Hermione punching Malfoy. Still one of the best. Yeah. Because it's like the first time she, I mean, she breaks rules constantly, which is hilarious, but. She does. That's the first time she's. Like they, I mean, they make Polyjuice Potion in the second one. Like she yeah. has to do a whole bunch of illegal stuff to do that. But I mean, she literally punches Malfoy straight him. in the face. He, de- he deserves it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite part of this book? Um, I. <laughs> I just love the whole concept of time travel and like just anything. So mm-hmm. I think everything where they go back with the time turner. Um. I do like when, you know, for a very brief moment in time, Harry thinks that he can go live with Sirius. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> when it ends up not happening, of course. Yeah. Because Sirius has to go on the run. Because um, <laughs> Peter's still a rat. But, yeah, I think just, you know, because when you read it the first time, I thought that was, you know, you're like, yeah. great. Harry doesn't have to go back to the Dursleys. Right. <laughs> He's going to have a whole new family, an awesome life. It's serious. Yeah. I, and then. Well, and that is like that sets up again. We're just doing spoilers for the whole series. But like that sets up another like, heartbreaking situation when before Sirius does die, like Harry thinks he is going to go live with him. Right. And then like for that fleeting moment, it's like, no, you're you're not going to get to have even a nice thing even at the end of book five. Yeah. Um, to work for it. Uh, also, I would say this book introduces the most famous spell in the Harry Potter world, is, which is the Patronus. Like, I was trying to think, like, is there a more important or, like, more, like, well-received and, like, jokingly used spell? Um, <laughs> I had a friend who was actually watching the Harry Potter movies just over the weekend. I mean... She's read the book. She's seen them before, but she's now watching them through very different eyes with a lot of stuff that's going on. And and she got so mad about um, in the first one how Hermione takes the fall for uh, the jo- uh, for when the troll gets in, mm-hmm. and Hermione takes the fall for what happens. And uh, she goes, <laughs> she goes hashtag Avada Kedavra the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, no, probably Patronus. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my reason. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking that's really funny. <laughs> I was thinking about this because it's like, yes, the killing curse is the, you know, the most deadly and everything. But like you think to all of like the BuzzFeed listicles and everyone going on Pottermore, like there's so many things that are like, take this quiz and we'll tell you what your Patronus is. Do you remember what yours, did you ever do the Pottermore thing to find out what your Patronus was, by the way? I did. And it was something really dumb. And I was super mad. Um, yeah, mine too. I can't, it was something... No, I don't remember. Maybe I'll look it up. I was a white crane. See, that's not that bad. Mine, I think, was a rat. It was a rat on, um, I think. And people, and I was, like, super mad about it. And people were like, friends of mine said, you know, rats are actually really smart and mm-hmm. very clever. And I was like, all right, whatever. But. <laughs> yeah. My, well, like, but I was not happy. Yeah. Let me see if I can log in and find it. Yeah, I. <laughs> Mine was I was a bird I was a bird it was a white crane which is fine but like I want to you saw all these like cool like 
otter or like panther or like i guess i wanted to be one of a giant a giant cat which is ironic since i'm a dog person but um but no i you in a book that's all about in my mind it's a rat least, mine was a rat yours yeah. is a rat mm-hmm. this is, is like a white rat or a black rat no just a rat just rat it's oh. <laughs> funny to me <laughs> um but in a book that's all about darkness and like depression and things there's two things that really stick out to me one is harry learning how to combat all that with patronus like you know understanding that there is a way that he you know literally a defining moment of this series him learning the fact like patronuses can defend you against so many things and it is a basically just a depiction of your happiness and like the love you've experienced in your life it's pretty crazy to me that's awesome um and then like along the lines of the patronus my favorite quote from this is um happiness can be found even in the darkest times if only one remembers to turn on the light um we have that by at least one of our light switches in our house yeah um but it's just like it's almost like she knew like hey yeah this is the darkest book i've written so far so here's just a reminder. I think it's also interesting that I think this is the only one where Voldemort is not the villain or the threat. I meant to bring that up. It's He's literally, I mean, he's like mentioned, but he's not. He's not, you know, I mean, Chamber of Secrets is a memory of him as Tom Riddle, but that's still him. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this one, you, th- I mean, it's serious that you know of and mm-hmm. this crazed murderer. Yeah, which is allegedly cr- out yeah. to kill Harry. Well, that's the thing. Like, when, like, you're talking about knowing after the fact, the time mm-hmm. turn, and everything. Like, once you really know after the fact, like, there's no villain in this particular, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, you would think, oh, well, it's serious. And then you learn that he's not bad. And then, like, it's not Lupin. He can't control himself. And it's like, oh, well, it's Snape. It's not Snape. It- I mean, Peter's the closest, but even then, yeah, he doesn't. He In this particular book, he is not a threat. He just. Yeah. You know. I saw something that talked about the fact that when Harry decides in the Shrieking Shack to let him live, it shows his... Jill's shaking her head, and that's exactly the point I was going to get to. It shows his like, goodness as a person, and someone mentions, like, and it's it shows that he was right in the end because uh, Peter gets his comeuppance as Wormtail uh, because at the end, in the last book, he's killed by his own hand. Um, no, if he would have just killed him then, Peter could never help with, you know, bringing Voldemort back in the first place. It's just the I think circular. in some ways that's Harry's fatal flaw. He just, I think he, in, in some ways, is just too trusting to people. And Oh, he, yeah. I mean, like, I get it. People make this whole big deal about, you know, he how he keeps using, you know, the 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 wand to like get you know Voldemort's wand away from him because it worked in the fourth books you know mm-hmm. that's like the only spell he can remember <laughs> they and they literally that becomes like is like it, that becomes his thing isn't it in the sixth it's the well, sixth he, I think it's in the sixth book it's in the seventh book for sure because oh no wait no, no you're the right sixth no 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 I think you're right it's to be I think it's the beginning of um, well, at the beginning of book seven yeah. when they come and rescue him and they all take the polyjuice potion he and, does it again I'm gonna be like learn a different spell like learn a different spell like you are dealing with 
Voldemort, like, what are you doing? That's yeah. not, I get it. Do you really think he's not going to kill you? Because he's using the kill and curse again, too. I don't know what you think he's doing. Yeah. I, Do you just, like, not, like. <laughs> can I, there's something else I want to point out as well. So, in the movie, and I'm, we will probably get messages that I'm wrong about this, but if I remember correctly, in the movie when they're in the Shrieking Shack and Snape surprises them, I think Harry is the one, again, in the movie who, like, knocks Snape out cold. I don't remember. Okay, I think in the movie it's him. I cannot remember in the book who it is. But my point is, Snape tells him in Half-Blood Prince, I believe it is, basically, like, he is like, you have to be able to use spells without using your words. And he just, he can't disarm Snape at all. It's right at the very, I think, the very end of Half-Blood Prince. But he knocks him out when he's a far less talented wizard, unless I'm wrong. In the in the Shrieking Shack, he, like, knocks Snape out cold. Um, I think. I'm looking it up in the book and yeah. trying to. This is good podcasting. I know. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> Um, While you're doing that, I will talk. I have a little rant about the Shrieking Shack. So, Ron hurts his leg. That's right. I may have done this this rant before. Um, Ron hurts his leg, and they take him into the Shrieking Shack, and they say that his leg is broken. And he is in there a long time with a broken leg. And... We know Lupin is good. We know Sirius is good. And neither of them bother to, like, splint his leg or, like, fix the bone. Ron's got gangrene at this point. <laughs> uh, poor Ron. He uh, he always ends up with, well, aside from, uh, you know, when Harry lost, broke his bones in the second book and um, Gilderoy Lockhart screwed it up. But, like, Ron ends up the one, like, vomiting all the... Um, Worms are not the worms, but the slugs. slugs. Yeah, because this wand is broken. Um, Harry's the one who disarms and knocks Snape out in the book. Okay, that's bananas. Let's like Snape with the same one. Like you know, I can never pronounce it. Expelliarmus. Yeah, Expelliarmus. That's like his only spell. His only spell. <laughs> and literally in Half Blood Prince, Snape is just like basically parrying all of his things away, and he's like, "You gotta be, you gotta learn how to do this without words." Which I don't think Ron, Harry actually ever does Well, do. I think it seems like both Ron and Hermione had tried to disarm Snape at exactly the same moment as them. So I think it was the three of them All together, right. maybe? Well, maybe. Okay, that's justification. Again, I. it just always bothered me where I'm like, well, first off, Ron is sitting there probably bleeding out and no one seems to care. Magic. And then Lupin, after, like, they all agree, like, oh, we're all good people now, then Lupin kind of fixes his leg, and he's like, well, you have to forgive me, I'm not a great doctor, but he, he still, like, resets the bones. Uh, do that, like, first, show them that you're a good, and I get it, it's to set up, like, the, anyway. I think what I like about, you know, she plays the long game with some of these things, because we get introduced to the Wombing Willow in book two. With the car. Yeah. And we have no knowledge of. Where it's like, oh, there's just this weird magical tree. Mm-hmm. That's totally normal. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I guess that's fine. That's just that's what it is. What it is. Um, also, we haven't talked at all about Crookshanks, Hermione's cat. Crookshanks. Being, like, being on the up and up, knowing that uh, 
Peter Pettigrew is Scabbers. But sadly, Crookshanks is still just a cat and can't really communicate that. Yeah. I know, but I'm saying, like, how it always impressed me. Like, I kept waiting for Crookshanks to be... I know, because you think, yeah, but nope. Nope, Kirk just Shakes, a really just smart a cat. cat. Just a really smart cat. Um, we haven't even talked about Dumbledore at all, which, you know, he's talked about enough. You don't need to always talk about him. Um, are there other Plus, things? Plus, I feel like... <laughs> Go ahead. I think one of the... Like, the books, Dumbledore, not really the best headmaster, but... <laughs> No, they okay. In the movies, they make him out to be better than he is in the books. He's terrible in the books, and I feel like this is one where, like, it it kind of. I always sort of wonder why the adults don't just tell Harry more about his life, about his life, and you know, you know, Ron's dad. All he does is like, don't if he comes after you, don't go near him, (laughs) without giving any context. Yeah. I know. It, I mean, I get to some level they're trying to protect him, and so he's what? He's like 13, but... He's 13, but he's already... Been, he's already... You, you already know... There's already one great big scary guy trying to kill him. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. There's, I know. I know. Them refusing to give him... And that's a theme throughout all of the books. Is Especially with Dumbledore. Dumbledore yeah. is the worst. He's at, the worst. He's just kind of the worst in general. Like... Crazy, powerful wizard and, and wonderful in that aspect, but like so many things that. Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> not really, but sometimes he, he's not the worst. But he is just not a great headmaster. Yeah. So yeah, are there, is there stuff in here that you wanted to talk about about the book in general? I don't know. No, we covered a lot. Yeah, I will say there's a lot of things, um, a lot of quotes that have made it onto many things in our house. Um, my sister's, my sister-in-law's bachelorette party. Uh, my wife made them all bags to kind of carry around their stuff that she bought for them all, and they say, "I solemnly swear I'm up to no good." That's very cute. Yes, it's very very cute. Um, there is also obviously with the the Marauders map. There's the whole mischief managed. You'll see that in a lot of different places. Um, but yeah, I I love this book. This book for uh, up until um, Half Blood Prince was my favorite. Yeah, I mostly because of Sirius. I just love Sirius, I even know. though for seventy five percent in the book you think he's a bad guy, but again. I'm me, so that's not entirely surprising. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Captain Slytherin over here. No, not just that, but just villains in general. Mm-hmm. Love me some villains. But, um, I mean, when we went, we went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter about two years ago, and um, we, uh, you know, there's, like, lots of shops you can buy stuff from, and they have a, a Nocturne Alley um, part of it, and there's a, a Borgen and Burks, which is all the dark mark stuff and all the is that where you got your dark mark stuff. Um, earrings? No, actually, those I had before, but um, <laughs> obviously, fun fact. Uh, no, we were just like looking, and um, they have a you know you see that picture. It's from the movie, but it's um, Sirius Black with his holding his like Azkaban prisoner oh, yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. like the mug shot um, on a mug. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> <my> favorite. <laughs> it is. The Nocturnale in 
in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, if you ever get a chance to go, it is first off, it's literally exactly how it is in the book. Like it's not it's not labeled at all. No, you just sort of are like, What's down this hallway? I yeah. mean and it's dark and like or I think I mean they I think they have the sign. But if you're not looking for it, you don't know. And I think Borgen and Burks is really the only thing that's back there. But we walked back there and of course it's me and the rest of my family and friends who are not as into it, but I it was like my own private Disney World back there. It's awesome. <laughs> it is really, really awesome. And I swear, and it killed me because we kind of walk in, and and I am wearing, I had to wear my dark mark earrings that day um, for Harry Potter World. And we walk in, and one of the uh, store clerks comes up, and he's like, oh, hello. And then I think he sees my earrings. He's like, oh, hello. Welcome. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Welcome, please. You can buy everything that's here. <laughs> um, my favorite memory of when the second time I went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, I went, uh, my wife and I went with my parents. And I think I've talked about my mom a fair amount of times on the podcast, but um, she was a third grade teacher for almost 40 years, third and fourth grade. And um, she would read her class, the first Harry Potter, every single year from when it came out until she went, when she retired. So she's a, she's a massive Harry Potter fan as well. My dad has read the books. He he likes the movies, but like he's nowhere near on the level that my my mom and I are. So we go and um, my mom like seeing like this childlike grin on my mom's face throughout the whole time was amazing. But when we were in Nocturne Alley, there's this one part where they have. Um, the snake, maybe it's just outside of Nocturne Alley, but they have the snake from the first book that Harry talks to and he like escapes out of the zoo. They have that snake. It's like animatronic and it'll move around when you're right by it. And I have a picture, maybe I'll post it on our social media. I have a picture of my dad looking at this snake with like the grin of a five-year-old <laughs> kid who had candy for the first time. It's I'm going to say it. It's adorable. It's hilariously adorable. And him not being like, I thought it was a smart man, but him not being able to understand that it's just animatronics. So right. making the snake yeah. actually talk to him. So, um, but yeah, I, these books are super important to obviously both of us. And, um, again, the, this is one of the rare times where we will tell you, go purchase these. If you are a fan of Harry Potter, the, the artwork by, by Jim K is just, it's mind-blowing that he's able to create a whole book's worth of content in a year. I doubt they'll be able to keep coming out with these every single year. It just oh, feels maybe like, not every single year. But. It just feels like Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince and then Deathly Hallows. Like, yeah. That's going to be a tall task, so um, enjoy this one. The other ones, I'm sure, will all come out. Also, I saw a video of him talking about the illustrations today. He's super young. Like, he looks like he's in his, like, 30s. I was like, oh, you're crazy that's talented. Adorable. What's that? Like, that's adorable. Exactly. I'm like, oh, man. Good for you, super talented <laughs> guy. Um, but yeah, you can get the Hogwarts Library Collection on Overdrive. That is available from us. Um, these books you can buy literally anywhere. Go to Pottermore. Go to your local bookstore. I'm sure they're on Amazon. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? We did a good job of ranting so. for 35 no, minutes. I don't think so. I wanted to put um, the soundtrack music at the beginning of this. And I lit- I did, guys, I did like 15 minutes of fair fair use research yeah, this, no, this morning. I and I couldn't so. swing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I couldn't. It, it doesn't fall. I could have told you that. <laughs> I know, but I was, 
I listened to a different podcast recently where they used music. Sure, and, we probably can. They, well, they no, because they literally the guy talks about fair uh, fair use, but they use it in like a small snippet, and then they talk about why that music's important. I just wanted to use it as an intro, but no, that's not, not gonna, gonna do work. It. So not gonna work anyway. All right, well, um, hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we'll you know let us know if you want to hear us do more of these types of things. There's not many books that we would do this for, but you know we did the the it episode which got pretty good feedback and then then this as well so let us know if there are books that you want us to kind of dive into anything else cool all right well i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.